This sermon was recorded as part of Grace City Church's series, A People Prepared, exploring the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. Thank you for listening, and we pray that this sermon encourages you in your faith. Good morning, everyone, and welcome again. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tish. There's a few people out there that I I haven't met, but um, it's really good to have you with us this morning. Married to Tom, and we have um, two young children who are in kids' work at the moment. So, um, as you know, as many of you know, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and we're in a series that is called A People Prepared. And as the elder shared with us a few weeks ago, that we, as a church, feel that God is calling us to be a people prepared so that we are ready for all that he's got for us. And in order to be a people prepared, we need to know who we are as a people so that we can be active and ready for his purposes to unfold in us and through us. So today, I have the privilege of speaking to you from Ephesians chapter 3, the first part, which is verses 1 through 13. So for the last few weeks, I've sort of been mulling and chewing and just sitting in this passage, and I've really felt the weight of it, but I've also felt just the joy and amazement of it. So I'm really excited to share with you what God has been speaking to me, and I've titled this this, um, message, The Bigger Picture. So the interesting thing about the way that Paul has written this passage is um, it's really unique. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone where they start to say something to you and they introduce themselves. And they, so for example, if I walk into church today and I'm like, my name is Ratisha and I'm here to tell you, but by the way, um, I'm from Canada and I've moved to Australia five months ago and da 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 da. But anyway, I'm here to tell you So they break off for a moment. Has that ever happened to you in a conversation where someone starts to tell you something, but they almost, like parentheses, like, by the way, this, this, this. And it's interesting because it seems like Paul is doing that in this passage. He starts the passage and he opens it up with a sentence, but then he breaks it off, almost like an unplanned, to me, it seems an unplanned detour that he wants to take us on. And he shares it with such depth and passion that we'll see that in just a moment. But last week, Tyler spoke to us from chapter 2 in Ephesians, and he spoke to us about the Jews and the Gentiles and how they discriminated against one another and actually how how they and we are called to be one household and how they and we all have access to this living God because of what Jesus did on the cross. So then Paul goes into chapter 3, and we're just going to read the passage now. It says here, Uh, Chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he just breaks off. And for 13 verses, he doesn't go back. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given 
to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And he then starts verse 14 with, for this reason, which he started verse one with, I bow my knees before the Father. So he picks up, it looks like, his thought that he started in verse 14. But the 13 verses that we're gonna cover today are almost like a, detour that he goes on. So let's examine why maybe Paul broke off what he was saying to insert another point. This passage opens up with Paul telling us that he's a prisoner for Jesus. And in saying that, he's actually telling us about his identity. He's telling us that regardless of his physical captivity, because he was imprisoned at this time and he was writing from prison to the church in Ephesus um, and probably to multiple churches, as we've heard um, Tyler and Mike share with us, that even though he's imprisoned, the one he belongs to and the one he is in the care of is Jesus. That is where his identity lies. His uh, captivity is not, his, his identity is not determined by his imprisonment. But he is saying to them, I am a prisoner for you Gentiles. So he's telling them it's because of you because he was preaching to the Gentiles and that's why he was imprisoned. But he's not trying to make them feel guilty here. He's not trying to say it's because of you, which we will learn about um, in just a moment. But he is trying to make something clear to them. It seems like Paul is trying to shed light on something. So imagine you walk into a dark room and someone's leading you into a dark room and you can't see anything. You're almost like, oh, oh, oh. And then the, the switch flicks on and everything becomes visible. Everything is clear now. And it seems to me that that is what Paul is trying to do here. He's trying to turn on the light for us and show us what he has seen. If we read, if we look at the, in, in verse four, it actually says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. That word read, the actual meaning of it is to read and read and read, to read over and over again, to really read. And that's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to get us to really see, to really understand his insight into the mystery of Christ. Now, for the next few verses, Paul is telling us something that we've already heard before. We've heard it in chapter 1, and we've heard it in chapter 2 about the mystery of Christ, about being one household, about God's plan for us to, 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 to know this mystery and to tell this mystery to those around us. But the difference here in this passage is that Paul speaks in a really personal way. He's speaking almost like he's sharing a testimony of it. Um, a few weeks ago, my parents were here, and on their last evening, we went out to a restaurant. And we didn't know much about this restaurant, but we'd heard, we'd read reviews, and we thought, okay, let's give it a shot. We went to this restaurant, and we were absolutely blown away by the food and the atmosphere and everything. It was so it was honestly, it was so good. It was so tasty. And in the weeks and days that followed, everyone I talked to, I wanted to talk about this restaurant and I wanted them to go to this restaurant. I said, you must try this food. Have you ever had that where you've tasted something so good and you just want everyone to taste it? You're like, I'll tell, I'll tell you later. This is, this is better. <laughs> 
So Paul here has tasted something and he's understood something and he's wanting us, his readers, to experience that same understanding. And it's pouring out of him. He can't help himself. Um, we're going to just look to verse 7 and see how Paul was shaped and what he was called to. So it says in verse 7, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Now the gospel here that he's referring to is one that we have heard about. It's the, it's the blood of Christ, his flesh, his death, and his resurrection giving us access to the living God, to God the Father. And it's, a priv it's the privilege of being able to be called children of God, to be in relationship with him once again. And it's this gospel that is available to all mankind. And that's, that's the mystery. That is the role, that is the calling that Paul has been called to, is to, to be an apostle for this cause, for this gospel. And in this verse, in verse 7, we see two words here that give him his identity and fuel his ministry, grace and power. And here Paul makes it clear to us, it is by grace alone that we um, are called. It is by grace alone that he was called to do what he's doing. And it's the work of God's power in him that keeps him faithfully in that place. We're just going to look at the beginning of verse 8. It says here, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. The grace and the source of the grace have absolutely nothing to do with Paul. It is all God. And Paul really wants us, the church, to understand that it is by his grace alone that we are called, nothing else. So when we think about what we should do or shouldn't do, what we're called to, how do we qualify ourselves? Is it in our skills, our gifting? Is it in our job that we hold? Is it our bank balance? Is it how we look, how we dress? Is it how much praise we receive from others? Because none of that counts in his sight. The world standards make it really easy to measure ourselves when it comes to success or popularity. Um, what we should or what we shouldn't do, but God has no measure. There is no scale. It is all grace. Unfavored merit is given to us for whatever we have done, for whatever we are doing, and for whatever we will do. And it is from this position that we function. It is from this sure, unchangeable, unwavering, constant grace that we can walk into what we're called to. And this is the understanding that Paul had, regardless of his past. His, he was an insolent opponent, he called himself. And it didn't matter. So what, what it means for us is that we need to look beyond our cultural and our societal expectations and aspirations. We need to look beyond it. And when we do, we see Jesus. And when we see Jesus is when we see true beauty, true righteousness, 
and true power. Grace is also the lens through which we must view others because it's in that place that we then build unity as a church and become what God has called us to be. We can strive and we can do our own. We can make our own efforts to, to love the people who are difficult to love or to, to reach out and to build these friendships because, you know, we should be doing it. But until, until we see others through grace, which is how Jesus sees them, that's when we can become the church that God, God wants to build. The next word in that verse seven is power. It says, which was given me by the working of his power. The grace was given to him by the working of his power. The working of God's power is what kept Paul in that place. It's like the fuel. We can fill ourselves with whatever in our tanks, but it's the power of God that will keep us running. It's the power of God that will sustain us in whatever it is we need to do. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses three to five. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the power, oh, sorry, of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. All throughout Paul's ministry, he is pointing to Jesus. He is so determined that when people see any form of fruitfulness in his life, in his ministry, that they know it's the power of God working in him. So this power, all it, all it needs from us, all our part to play for the Holy Spirit to work in us is willingness to, to have him. He just wants a heart that is willing. And I'm just gonna, there are loads of examples in the Bible, but I just wanted to highlight just a few examples of the power of God. In Luke 1, 35, it says, the angel answered Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And this is when she was told of her great calling to carry the Son of God. She couldn't have done it without that. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's by that power. They, these disciples had walked with Jesus. They had learned from him. They had lived with him for, for, for three years. They could have gone with that knowledge and taught but it is not until the power, Jesus said, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that will move through you. It is not you. It's not just what you know. It's not just what you've learned. It is the power of God in your life. In Romans 15, 19, Paul says, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. These are just a few examples of God's power, but it is that same power that we have access to. It is that same power that we can act in, we can fulfill our calling that Paul had. Grace and power, an unbeatable combo. The, the rest of verse eight, so it starts off with, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, 
who created all things. And here, Paul tells us what he is called to. And what a big calling that is. Oof. And I want to draw three things that we can learn from Paul in this passage. The first thing is, Paul knew who he was in Christ. He says, I was a pri- I'm a prisoner for Jesus. So this shows us his identity, his sense of belonging, just who he is in Jesus. Paul knew what he was called to, to preach to the Gentiles Christ and what it meant for them, to reveal the hidden mystery of God. And the third thing is, he knew how to accomplish that calling by grace and power. And it would be fine to leave it at that and admire Paul from a distance. There's many times I've thought, ah, Paul, what a guy. If only I had that conviction and that passion. But actually, he's not here to be looked upon from afar and admired and thought of this unattainable faith that he has. Tyler mentioned to us last week, Paul isn't a guy with special access. We have that access. We can have that passion and conviction. It's the realization of the grace and the power in our lives. So that's what Paul had. So I would like to turn the mirror onto ourselves and ask ourselves those, those questions. Who are we in Christ? As Mike reminded us a couple of weeks ago, we are chosen, we are redeemed, we belong to Christ. We're loved, accepted, and we are heirs with him. We have all that the Father has given him. What are we called to? Like Paul, we are called to make known the unsearchable riches of Christ to all those around us. We're called to be his hands and his feet. We're called to be his arms and his legs. We are called to be who Jesus would be if he were walking here on this earth. And that's a really big calling. And a lot of us might be thinking, well, maybe that person's called to it, but that's just, that's, that's too big for me. But how do we walk in this calling? Just like Paul, by his grace, and his power. And it's this deep understanding that we don't actually do it, but with a willing heart, we walk in his grace and his power. Um, Tyler mentioned last week that we were a dwelling place for God as a church, that he, he took pleasure in dwelling with us. And today's passage, it tells us that there's even more than that. So we're gonna look at verse 10, which is for me like, wow, I just, as I was preparing this verse was just, Oh, the amazement of it. It says, so Paul has taken us on this journey of saying, this is who I am and this is what I'm called to. And my role, like you, is to spread this good news to those around us. And then it says in verse 10, so that the church, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Through us, the church, God wants to display his wisdom for all to see, not just to those here on earth, but to the heavenly beings, the angels, the demons. He wants to show us off by his wisdom. The word manifold, if there's any artists here, I don't know, but the word manifold is like multi-layered, multi-textured with many hues to it. Picture a, a, a canvas like that, but, but more. His wisdom is so complex and so unique, and he chooses us, the church, to show this wisdom to the world and beyond this world. One of the things in, um, when we were living in London last year, um, we had the, 
privilege of being able to go to the theater a few times. And some of you may have been here to the Sydney Opera House, and it's, it's just so, it's, it's so moving, the theater. You're, you're, you're captured up in the story of, of what's happening, and it unfolds, and there's this music, and it comes to this climatic point where maybe, I don't know, like the lovers come together, or someone's rescued, or something happens, and it's this, you can't take your eyes off what's happening on the stage, and you're just like drawn to it. Church, our lives have been on display from creation. The world has been watching, the heavenly beings have been watching our story unfold on this stage. They have been watching the fall, they've been watching our rebellion, they've been watching when Jesus came, they've been watching redemption. And they now see this, where God is saying, here it is. This is my church on display. You want to know my wisdom? Here it is. Here they are. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it talks about the prophecies in Christ, how they're revealed to us through the prophets and the apostles. And it says here, these are the things which the angels long to look to. The angels long to have a, a peek into God's wisdom. They long to see a glimpse of it. And he's revealed it to us. And he wants to show it to them through us. He's showing us off, church. I mean, that, this is because of his great love for us. We've always been his favorite of his creation. We are his favorite. And he wants to show us off to the world. It says in verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. It's always been his plan. God is personal and he knows each of our individual stories, but he is a bigger picture God. He has always had this grand plan for us as a church. He's a big picture God, and our lives, our lives are the most valuable witness. So we can see now why Paul, it seems, stopped his train of thought where he was going and took this detour. He wanted his readers, he wants us to, to, understand, to understand so much who he is and what he's called to so that we know who we are and what we are called to. Paul wraps up this passage in verse 13 where he says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So he starts off by saying, I'm in prison. And then he probably realizes, wait, I'm mentioning that. They might feel a bit burdened by it. They might feel bad for me. They might feel worried for me. But he wants them to see and understand beyond his imprisonment. He wants them to perceive what he has been saying to them. Yes, he's in prison, but it is his great calling to preach Jesus to the Gentiles. And along the way, he's persecuted and whatever else. But in light of his calling, all that doesn't matter. Church, in light of who he is and in turn, who we are because of him, this display of wisdom to the world, everything else has to pale in comparison. What we're called to is to display that. 
And that has to change and shape how we live. He wants us to see the bigger picture, the plan that God has had all along for the church. Um, I'm, I'm going to end there, but I just wanted to share a, a picture that I had um, a few weeks ago. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and I just someone used this analogy, and it's really, it's really sat with me, and I feel like God has um, kind of grown this in my mind. So I want you for a moment to, if you would, just close your eyes. Close your eyes for me, and imagine you're, you've got a, a pot of water on your head and you have to walk through life with this pot balanced on your head and you are trying so hard to keep it balanced so that nothing spills out because what's in the pot is actually sewage water and if something knocks into you if something trips you up that's what spills out and you're so afraid of that spilling out because you're trying to hold it together and not want anyone to see sewage water spill out of you. Tom, when he introduced this series, he talked about the book of Ephesians being about Jesus, fully about Jesus, about fixing our eyes on him. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, what's in that pot gets filled with refreshing, pure spring water. And that's what he's called us to be, to be filled up with him, to be filled up with that grace and power that comes from him. So church, we fix our eyes on Jesus and when we get bumped into and knocked over, it's pure spring, living water that pours out of us. I can just get the band back up. Jesus, we just thank you. Your word, Lord. We pray that you would speak to hearts and minds and take root. Thank you for listening to this sermon. To engage with Grace City Church further, please check out our website, gracecitychurch.net, where you can find links to our socials. Or come visit us in person. All are welcome. God bless.